people at home, you are listening to Riffs and Scripts. To Riffs and Scripts. Exactly. That was a nice little little jazzy one. There. Thanks. I quite like that. I just I want to echo it every week, but I don't. I want to mix it up a little bit. So you want to mix it every up. week. My brain does a little Riffs panic and goes, "How shall I do it?" Scripts. Riffs and scripts. Um, exactly. That's creepy. Too right. I yeah. I want it as creepy as possible. Hello, hello, hello. How are you Hi doing? Hi guys. Right. Hope you're well. Hi. Welcome back to yeah, another week. So, um, how was your weekend actually? My weekend was really good, um, but also really tiring. I happen to have it where, like, we all have, like, a very small number of very close friends that with birthdays that you just can't miss. You, you, yeah. you know those, the, I, me and my friend call them, like, the bridesmaid party. The ones that are really that close to you, they both have their birthdays this weekend. All right. So, yeah. yeah I've had, I've, I think I drank more in one weekend. That I then I've drunk in like the last six months because I've not really been drinking in <laughs> lockdown. I just haven't. No, it's really odd that I mean, um, th- uh, it's, well, it's, it sounds weird. I I don't drink anyway, really. No, not really. No, um, yeah. And um, but I know some people's relationship with alcohol has changed drastically. I do know that. Um, like some people are not drinking at all. Some people are drinking every day. Way too much. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So yeah, I know I've had I had a really nice weekend. I saw friends, and I I've been really quite strict with myself with all the social distancing over the last year. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, look, it's still following the rules. We still sat outside, but I actually saw saw some friends and got some connection time, and it was lovely. And got my cheeky little vaccine, didn't I? Cheeky stabbing. Mm. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, I, I, I was like, hooray! Get that science, yo! Get that science in my veins. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah? How are yeah. you? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm good. I had, I had a good weekend. I um, saw Nath, which was, I'll be honest, it's just one of my pleasures in life. It's ah. just to see my friend Nath. Ah, heart music. Um, it's just one of my pleasures in life seeing Nath because he's my best mate in the world. And um, we have like a deep personal connection that just goes just so deeper than like a normal friendship. And I just like... Sometimes, like he says, we okay. I will say one thing because I was joking then, but I will say one thing: we make the same jokes at the same time all the time. Do you know? You know when you know someone that well, yeah, and like you keep making the same, like like something will happen and you'll have exactly the same reaction, um, and things like that all the time with us. And um, yeah, it's great. It's uh, it's it's a wonderful thing to be that close to someone. Yeah. For sure. I think. For sure. We had it where me and Kitty were supposed to go on holiday in 2020. Didn't happen. Um, And um, last summer when people were allowed to do little things, we did like a staycation together. And we like did a road trip and we stayed somewhere for a few days. And we both brought books in case we wanted like some peace and quiet time or some little independent time. Because, you know... That's absolutely fine. And I yeah. didn't lift up my book once because we were just talking and chatting or like just enjoying each other's I company I love it. so much. So yeah. And it, to conclude, it's we've both cool. seen loved ones and it's it's really quite nice. Oh, yeah. No, um, I'm going to say one more thing about books because it reminded me, I got Nath one of my, uh, the first book in one of my favourite book series and now he's hooked. It's um, by a guy called Con Igolden who writes... Um, they're fictional, but they're based around factual events and documenting real things. And everything that is fictional is written in the last chapter where it says, this was fictional, this was fictional, I renamed this character. And the one that I gave, gave him, I think it was Lords of the Bow, might have been Bones of the Hills, can't remember, but it's the one about the rise of Genghis Khan. Um, because we like fighty things where people get stabbed and shot and eaten, you know. So um, it was wonderful that it was one of my favourite book series and then I I bought him one and then I happened to be round his house one day and saw the next book in the series and then the next book in the series. Oh, that's such a satisfying <laughs> feeling. Yeah, I, exactly. um, I got a friend at uni into a fantasy book series that I really love and then... He did this thing this year where he pre-ordered the newest one for both of us, but didn't tell me. So when as soon as it came out, it just arrived at my flat, which is super cute, a cute way of like amazing. seeing each other, but not and sharing the books. And then I read it so quickly that I was like, where are you up to? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Let's let's get on track. So today yeah, we'll segue. We'll segue. Today is all about uh, we're calling it taking the knocks. Because 
we've actually been really quite positive so far. Um, I know we say, oh, that guy was a dickhead, fuck him. But we've actually both kind of gone, we love what we do and it's fun and remember this gig and remember this show. But yeah, yeah. it is just so part of the gig when you do so many jobs, it's not just ours, that yeah. you're going to get like sucker punched sometimes. So we're going to talk about a few times that that's happened with us and how we've dealt with it. Um, yeah. and good that's come from it and things we've learned from it and just how to cope, really. Uh, awesome. Absolutely. I mean, the other thing is that this happens, yeah, in all facets of life, not just in, in my case, music or in your case, acting. Mm. Um, and it's 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 quite a universal experience. I, I mean, straight off the bat, um, something happened... For me, in my normal work life, as it were, as in the work that I do to make money rather than the work I do to try and progress Yeah, your myself. muggle job. Um, my muggle... That's exactly it. That's what I call Thank it. Thank God, yeah. Yeah, your muggle job. So, yeah, when I when I first got that job, um, start of 2020, I wanted to get part-time so that I could do music. I, I wanted to get enough money that I was kind of just about right, and then the, the rest of my time would be devoted to music, and then... Uh, and other creative things that I do with my life as well, actually. But I ended up just doing full-time, and I was like, well, when it came to March, I was like, yeah, this is all going to shit. I'll just work full-time because, you know, I can't do gigs. I'm I'm not seeing people to, yeah. to make music because, so as we said before, work, music work, is... Work. Yeah. So I, d- I did that, and um, I was on temporary contract. And... Uh, it came to the end of my contract. Well, what actually happened was um, we had a new manager in who I really get on with, got on with, and still, you know, she's all right. Um, and she said, Cole, what do you want to do with yourself? And I was like, well, I don't know if I'll be here that much longer. I mean, I, I, this job is really to just kind of keep me going, etc. Um, so I'll probably head off like by end of February, start of March kind of time. So that around that time, that's when my temporary contract was coming to an end. And, and this like, is well, all in 20... No, this is in 2021. 2021. Yeah, this, after working so for them yeah, basically through all of 2020. Yeah. For, for yeah. a whole year. So this is important. To be, to be abundantly clear, <laughs> it was like one of the worst times to work for the NHS, particularly for me because for most of that year, I was the only person left in the office. They were all working from home but me. Right. Um, so it came to that and I was like, well, the world's still gone to shit um, and I'm still going to need a job. So... I don't know what the situation with jobs are going to be. Brexit was still, um, and is still, a very crazy thing in our lives. Um, and the pandemic was still a thing. So I, so I applied for the permanent contract, which they were going to do to effectively replace my role. And they didn't like one of my responses in the interview. And they hired someone else. Um, after I had already been doing that job, job for, for, a a, for, for over a year at that point during this immensely difficult part and they gave it to someone else. And I was like, right, well, yeah, fuck me, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, um, it's what happens. It's not like it was a job I enjoyed. So this is the me... thing, you've actually just reminded me of something that I found really powerful was a speech that Jim Carrey gave and he was talking um, about his dad and about how his dad was one of the funniest people he ever knew and could have been, like, 10 times better than Jim Carrey ever was kind of thing. And Jim Mm. Carrey's one of the kings of comedy, isn't he? Um, But his dad chose to be an accountant because it was safer, quotation marks. And then there was a stage in his childhood where the accountancy firm he worked for went bankrupt and the family really, really struggled. And I'll never forget this. He said, that taught me you can fail at what you don't love. Mm. And I thought, wow, you're so right, because we get told, don't pursue the creative thing, don't pursue the unstable thing, because what if it goes wrong? But that is true everywhere. Yeah, Everywhere, absolutely. you know? Absolutely. And, you know, um, it gave me, in, in reality, it sounds tacky, because you should see it like, like, oh, the Chinese word for crisis is the same as the word for opportunity, but you can see it as an opportunity to, to reevaluate what you want to do. Um, that's and, a fun fact um, that you just threw out there. I didn't know that. I, I mean, I mean, it's like 
one of those zeitgeisty things that everyone says, yes, the uh, Chinese oh, word for, um, for, for crisis is the same as opportunity. So I would not be even slightly surprised if that was bollocks. Yeah. But Well, also, Chinese is... Are you talking Mandarin? Are you talking... Pro- I assume Mandarin. Yeah, but it could be Cantonese. Thing, it could be... But, yeah. There's buckets of so Chinese It's, it's already wrong. <laughs> it's, it's already, at least in part, total balls. Yeah. Anyway. Just from the way I said it. But, you know, uh, so it gave me a chance to reevaluate. And uh, but to be honest, I, I hit a bit of a low after that. You know, uh, I've been in I've been I've been in the dumps pretty bad. But at the same time, it's given me an opportunity to do things that I wanted to do. Like over that period of time, I built a vocal booth and no one's really seen it. But fucking hell, that is like I'm but, sitting there. But looking you're at very it. proud a of, of work. <laughs> I'm very proud of it. I'm fucking knackered. Like, I did the whole thing on my own, apart from when my dad leaned against the door for me while I screwed some shit in because the wood had got warped and when my brother helped me move a wall. But it's like this fucking massive brick. And when you come round to do this podcast, it's going to be so much fun. And it's just about roomy enough that we can sit there comfortably. However, Amber, it's going to be fucking warm. Yeah, I was thinking It's going to be warm. I've got one fan here. I'm going to have another fan there. And I'm going to say, right, we'll just have to have one pointed in the door and then we'll do a take for half an hour and then we'll have yeah. a break. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little bit stressed that I had to close the windows and doors to record this in my I living know. room because of the background noise because I live on a main road and in a block of flats. So there's a lot of noise that oh, goes yeah. on. Yeah, I live on a funny road where uh, ambulances go past all the time. You've probably heard. Very weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm actually not too far from quite a big hospital. So when I, when I hear an ambulance, I'm like, ah, fair enough. But anyway, Mm. so before I get into this, because I I am going to talk about, um, people in the industry who, in my experience, have like hurt me, given me a knock, right? Because that's the point. But like, before I do that, let's just remember one person's villain can be another person's hero. Absolutely. You know, we actually had this chat before. Do you remember I told you about that musician where he worked for two different women that I knew and one he completely fell out with. One didn't like him. And one one is one he's her go to guy. So like and and he is both those people and both of them are true. Um, So I'm not here to sit and slag people off. I'm really not. I'm here to talk about my experience and how I dealt with it. Uh, So I'm going to get into it. A couple of years ago, I think I've mentioned this in passing, but I'm gonna I'm gonna like tell the story as, as well as I can. I got contacted by people that I went to uni with uh, because they'd made a show, and they were like, "We'd love you to audition for this show," and it was unpaid, and it was gonna go to Edinburgh. I don't, it didn't go to Edinburgh in the end, but it was gonna be, "Hey, we're putting on a fringe show. You're our friend. Do it for free." And it was mm. not the first time I'd done that, um, and I I auditioned because they asked me to. Uh, they chased me up to make sure I was auditioning. I then auditioned and I got given one of the lead parts. There are two main females in it and I was playing one of them. Okay. Um, and these were people that were on my course at uni. Two of them at least, off the top of my head, I had done at least one, if not more shows with before. They were people that maybe I hadn't stayed in touch with, but the friendship was there, right? So for months um, in the lead up to the summer that year, Every Sunday and sometimes other days after work in the evenings, all around our muggle jobs, we're all traveling to uh, someone's flat um, and they had a space below where they lived that they could use and we're rehearsing, right? So just the money I spent on the travel is probably a lot because we had to do it in small um, chunks. We couldn't do it all in one week. We couldn't do like more than one full day a week and stuff. So we we do it, we learn all the songs, we do this musical, um, and then the summer comes up. We've got time booked off work to do this show. Um, I ended up helping them market it a little bit because I do care about being a bit of a team player. Yeah. And I because it was in London, I brought so many people. Like, they made easily, and bearing in mind it was a small venue, it was really small, they made hundreds of pounds, I would imagine close mm. like at least between three and five hundred yeah. pounds off yeah. my yeah. ticket sales from loyalty mm. coming to see people mm. coming to see me, and I didn't get a penny of it, and because that's what I signed up for. Then there was going to be a second run. Great, I'm still happy with all this. I'm happy to invest in this show that I really believed in. It was a good show. The people were talented. Mm. What then mm. happened was they got invited to do a promotional performance. Let's say I'm not gonna. Like I said, I don't want to give too many details out, but they got invited to do something where they did a few songs for a thing. 
Yeah, I remember we discussed this. No, I know, I know. Um, And I get this message saying, um, we're going to get someone else to do your singing for that. And there's so many ways to dissect this because on one hand, it's like insulting. It's like, well, I've been good enough to work for you for free for all these months. I've been good enough to perform to your audiences. I've been good enough to get the reviews that they got that were really, really good. (laughs) Like, I and... They were like, yeah, but we just we just want someone that is less likely to to make any mistakes. Cause yeah, I've definitely made a hit a few bum notes in my time. Who hasn't? Whatever. So exactly. on, on one hand, it really, really knocked my confidence. See some my shitty life performances, Christ. <laughs> on one hand, it knocked my confidence. On the other hand, it made me go, they hmm. just want me to do the second run because they probably won't find another actor to learn it this quickly. Hmm. So basically hmm. what it did was it made it really abundantly clear that I'm not considered uh, someone they're going to keep around, you know? Because as soon as they got even just one little boost, they started dropping people. But then saying, still work for us for free for our second run because we probably won't get another actor to learn it that quickly. Right pain in the ass. So it's, it's very selfish and it was very careless. And I don't think it came from a cruel place, like, at all. Um, but they just weren't getting it. And when I said to them, look, you got me involved. You chased me to audition. You gave me the part. You, you know, you, you've acted, I've been staying at your house while we rehearse. You, yeah. We've all acted. And that's the thing. When I told my boyfriend, the first thing he said wasn't anything along the lines of, um, you're a really good singer. Don't, don't listen to that or anything like about my career, the first thing he said was, I'm really sorry, honey. I know you thought they were your friends. Because mm. mixing work and friendship is hard, and that's going to be a really it? big tricky, theme we, tricky, ha- we go through today. Um, so, yeah, so I kind of said to them, look, at the end of the day, your decision is your decision, but the way you've handled this has been really, really piss poor. Yeah. And you got me involved. And when you get someone involved, and when someone is... And also, here's a really important thing. If you ever want to ask someone to work for you for free... There needs to be a reason for them to do it. And a lot of the time we get told it's the experience or the exposure. So when you get a slightly cool promotional thing, surely that's exactly what we're talking about. That's the exposure. That's what you were were offering me. And that's what you effectively... Then didn't give me. Then did not provide. So um, I do express my, my anger. And I do think I took it one sentence too far. You know, just that one little extra thing, um, because I sent a very strongly worded letter. And and basically, I was trying to express, you don't understand, you can't treat people like this. And what I said was, anyone I've spoken to that works in this world has been like, that's appalling. And Mm. I said, and if I told... I, I, anyone I would tell kind of thing. Like if I posted about this, if I was, if I named and shamed you, it would really look bad. And I said instantly, yeah, yeah. I have no intention of doing that. Let me make that really clear. But my point is you can't treat actors this way. Now mm. that is almost word for word what I said. And they um, took it as a threat, which it never was. Um, so then we meet up, we have a chat. Um, the chat, you've got two people being trying to talk through it. And then one person um, being really aggressive in this chat, like yeah, really yeah. not um, what's the word where, where you're going to create something good, not constructive, really not constructive, and just felt attacked and angry, and, and it just all was a horrible, horrible, horrible day. So then they said, um, "Here's what we're going to do: we're going to make contracts." I went, "Okay, great. At least then it's all oh. clear." But then the contract that they made ha- offered the actor no benefit. It was, this is only for the next run. You're not getting paid. We can drop you whenever we like. Um, And it was like, well, hold on. It's exploitative. Well, it it wasn't meant to be. It was so careless, though. And it was like, you don't understand. A contract is an agreement between two people. It's not, if you're going to be in my show, you need to follow my rules. It's like, well, actually, no. If I'm going to work for you for free, you need to make sure that I'm taken care of. So even at that stage, I, I thought, I really want to find a solution. So I called the Actors' Union and I spoke to a wonderful woman whose name is Charlotte Bentz and she's famous, so I, there's no harm in saying her name. She runs the Department of Equity 
uh, for low pay, no pay work. So she calls me up. I talk her through everything. And I even said to her, I was like, I know I, I, I kind of lost my temper with them a bit too. And she was like, well, no, hold on. They've not, they've not given you anything. What are you getting from this? You're not getting the exposure. You're not getting paid. You're not getting treated well. What are mm. you getting from this? And she actually said, mm. I think you should leave. And I said, if I mm. leave, I'm going to screw over everyone, though, not just the people that have messed up. So I asked her, what, how do I get a beneficial contract? How do, I said, I want a mutually beneficial contract. So she told me what to say, and I won't bore you with the details. She said, here's what you asked for. You put it this way, this way, this way. And then I sent it to them, and they said no. And then I left. And it was such a shame because, A, I believed in that show. I believed in that it can be really good. And I fell in love with the part I was playing. Like, I had to lose her. I know that sounds weird, but it was an original musical. So all of those songs were mine at that point. No one mm. had ever performed them but me. And I read mm. books about her and because she was a historical figure. And I really fell in love with her. And I had to lose that. And I could, you know, mm. having the songs in my head around my flat then were tinted with sadness. I lost, yeah. a, I lost a lot yeah. of friendships. I'm never going to, I've not spoken to them since. And I'm never going to work with them again. Like it sucked. And I swear to you, it was like a breakup. I had to get rid of them all on my, off my social media because if I saw pictures of them, I got really sad in the way that imagine you saw your ex like on holiday looking great in the sun. It would just like yeah, suck for shit. you. It, yeah, it's not nice. It was horrible. It was mm. absolutely horrible. Um, and even then there was a point where in this contract, they tried to enforce like, a really strict NDA. But I was like, but you're doing it publicly. What What is there that's private about you having one cast for your show and then different people singing for your promotion? Like you've, I can't keep that a secret because the whole issue that we're having is that you're doing that publicly. You know, there's, you can't, mm. that's like saying, well, here's an NDA, but we, so when we did the movie, when we did um, Artemis Fowl. We obviously had very strict NDAs. Really, yeah. And really we weren't strict. allowed to say anything they, about they had... it. It had a code name, and we weren't even told really when can we talk when about we could. it. Like, so we just assumed once the trailers or the once the film was once out, once the footage was know. released. But that's yeah. the thing. Imagine then after the film comes out, it's like, yeah, but you can't talk about what you wore, and it's like, but it's in the film. <laughs> You can see it. You can, yeah, exactly. Twenty minutes in, me and you got off that fucking transport. Boom. So, I didn't see the rest of the film. No, neither did I. So <laughs> my point is, like, they would. It yeah, was all just yeah. a bit of a mess, and it was all just such a heartbreaking situation because I lost a lot of different things. Now I'm going to talk about what I gained because Boom. that's what we have to do. Um, yeah. First of all, I think it's really, really important to listen to the first reaction you have to something. So when I sent that email saying, I'm just going to have to leave this process. And I said, I can't in good conscience sign this contract and act like this is okay. And I yeah, really hope no. you learn from this. Um, mm. And then when I sent it, I went for a walk and I felt absolutely elated because I yeah, walked of out of, because oh, also the, oh, I've missed something. I really tried to go back and keep rehearsing. I did once. I went back and kept rehearsing mm. once and I, cried every time we got given a break i went outside and just cried i was miserable i was like they don't want me here no one thinks i'm good enough you could feel the tension in the room it sucked so That's i felt cool. absolutely elated i i intentionally spoke to people who are older than me and wiser than me and more level-headed than me i called up someone who went to art said with me and she is one of my best friends now and i talked her through it and she is 10 years older than me just shy of and she's much more mature than I am, quite frankly. So I told her word for word what happened, ready for her to tell me off a little bit. And mm. she actually went, okay, well, if you'd have stayed, you would have been telling them that they can treat you however they like. Yeah, that that's acceptable. Yeah, between, between replacing me for a thing, between one of the team members talking to me like absolute shit, between the contracts, like I really tried to find a solution. And at every corner... It went wrong. Um, mm. So I felt elated. That's the important thing. And please listen to that part of you. When you go through a breakup, when you leave a job, how do you feel that day? Because yeah. it tells you a lot. Even if you cry later, even if it hits you later, but really listen to yourselves. And then also, I have not done unpaid acting work since. And I read, I read this book 
It's a very good book, actually. I don't mind plugging it. Uh, it's called Talent Isn't Enough. And there's a whole section of it um, about the power of saying no. And I, I don't yeah. want to go into it too much because I don't want to actually undermine how well written it is. But um, it was really powerful. <clears throat> and so, yeah, so since doing that show, I've decided, I remember thinking, I'm done. I'm done doing this. I'm done doing unpaid work for people who say they're my friends, who use me for my free performance and then move on and don't have my back afterwards. It's happened way mm. too many times. And no offense, I'm really fucking good at what I do. I am yeah. a great actor. I'm a great singer. I am a really good performer and I'm a great team player and I'm done being undervalued. And they pushed me so far that it made me realize that I, I'm not doing this anymore. And since then, that, that autumn, because we're now at the end of the summer, was right before I got Medusa, was right before I got a panto mm. job, was right before I got the second run of Medusa where I met Elliot and through Elliot I did the R&D with him and he's helped me with my um, podcast with doing this. Like, mm. since then, I also got a really well-paid one-day acting job and the pay was fantastic. It was like a week's pay for a day. It was great. Nice. And like, Lush. I think that there's a real power in going, you know what, no more. And I'm not going to be in that situation ever again because I'm never going to let myself be in that situation ever again. I'm going to make sure that everything is mutually beneficial and that there's a reason for me to doing that show, even if that is a small fee. Hmm. That was quite a, an odyssey I just led you no, down. I, a few things you've said have reminded me of things that have happened in my own uh, band life. Um, and another thing that you said was about mixing friendship and... Uh, work it's, you know oof. and that's really tricky i mean because we do that every week we do you know and we have to strike a balance where um we have to be like you know where where you have to be like cole it's it's, it's three o'clock in the morning you should have submitted this thing <laughs> but you know um because that's me um <laughs> but you know we we have to you have to be prepared to work with someone and meet certain requirements and also not let it affect your friendship um, and that can be really, really difficult. It can be a really hard thing to balance. I think we do it perfectly I think well. we do it really but, well, but I would also um, just like to give myself a bit of credit in that when I suggested this podcast to you, because it was me that came to you and pitched the idea, I'd been thinking about it for ages. Hmm. And I was like, do I want to enter this venture with this person? And I yeah. took that decision really seriously. But I think because I see how hard you work with your band... And, you know, and the friendship we have. And, you know, yeah. I'd, I observed a lot about you before I even mm. suggested doing it. Mm. Fair enough. You've been watching me from afar, yeah. scrutinizing my every move like Thanos or something. Kinda. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I think, I, I mean, I, I kind of leapt to the opportunity just because we get on so much and it was a good excuse for me to talk to you. Yeah, that too. Um, that I too. Do, I've always thought that. I've always thought that. That's one of the main reasons I do this, frankly. Um uh just to kind of hang out and and as we've discovered so much was similar about about our kind of working lives yeah. um so business and friendship um i'm going to talk about my mate barney i've talked about a load of times so barney has always been really good to us um and he's a great bass player you see and um when we were between bass players you know um he was always there and i always felt um that there was i felt like it wasn't a great dynamic for, for 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 us to expect that of him so i made it very clear you know that this you know he can back out how, however he wants etc and and whatever and i think it's important to to make sure to nurture that professional friendship and 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 be very clear of your expectations of each of your expectations it's why when yes. you know when when you talk about contracts that can be a very good thing um uh and 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 you know if the contract is at the start of the relationship yes. and it's not just a um man i mean that that whole thing is a whole story in itself but um from our first drummer but with barney we kind of set out what the expectations were and because we were friends i mean the way i met barney was he was playing in um another band and was was kind of a fan of ours as well and that's how we came across. So when it came to hiring bassists, mm. it's not rejection from my point of view in this case. Barney's a great player, but his his playing stylistically just wasn't what we were looking for. Um, 
and you know there's certain things with with um the image you want to do and the type of music you want to do and some of it we were aware wasn't even going to be his kind of genre any anyway to be honest um but you know barney barney said he, the, the opportunity came up twice and he said well you know i know you're hiring so i'll throw my hat in the ring and um you know we always had a very amicable discussion about that so a thing happened after that um our old bassist who i've talked about quite a few times who caused us a lot of problems um that's why we had barney come in in the first place is gonna pop up in this story so barney joined a band that suited his style of playing a lot more it was a bit more full-on and um in a different kind of sense we're pretty full-on band but you know stylistically it was more aligned with the kind of music that barney was playing and uh they hired him and i believe they did a couple of gigs with him i'm not sure and they uh, booked the opportunity to do a music video. And they were rehearsing with Barney all the way through. Um, and in a similar situation to yours, in fact, Barney gets Barney rings up the guitarist of this band. And uh, that morning say, OK, am I coming to pick you up? What's going on? Oh, no, we, um, we've been rehearsing with another bassist. And uh, we're going to go with this one instead. On the day of the music video recording. And that bassist was our old bassist. <gasps> no. Yes. A band from Whitney. Um, it was our old bassist, the one who Barney had kind of stepped in to, to do. Um, so Barney replaced him for you. Yeah. And then he replaced Barney for this other music video. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, you couldn't uh, write that, could you? Do you know what? I'll oh. be really fucking honest. Pinched one of Nate's riffs and... Um, shots fired! You need a shots fired. What? You need shots a shots fired. fired and sound effect. I, You're I'm not gonna, cold gonna, if you I'm, don't make I will, come, I, will, I will come right out and fucking say it. I saw one of these videos and I was like, holy shit, that's one of Nate's riffs from one of our old songs. And what they did was they played that and they did it on a different tempo and a different thing. And um, so, so I, I, Ooh. I know I come across as a tiny bit brash on the podcast and I, I kind of, um, I, I amp that up a bit. Um, so I wouldn't want you to take this out of context i don't mean any will ill will he's, he's he's a great player he's a really great player but um i was really glad i didn't have to be in a band with him anymore all right and, and look, I was sometimes like, that's how it goes and again like and compare it to a breakup yeah i've broken up with people exactly. that i'm like i wish you all the best but i also never want to see you again like but, um, you know i mean like yeah, it it was like that. It was, uh, I mean, uh, and he, I don't know if, he, unless unless him or his friends are listening to this podcast, they probably won't know that he quit when we were going to fire him. You know, I never told anyone outside the band and very select people about that, like you and Barney yeah. and like the band and their girlfriends and our parents and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. It was we in the inner circle. We don't spread that around. Yeah. And um, uh, I, again, I, 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 I amp this all up here, but I'm, I'm, I try to be as immensely understanding of people and their problems as I possibly can. Wasn't in a happy place when he left our band and he behaved badly, but there's an element of forgiveness there um, because he wasn't a happy guy. And I, I know exactly what that feels like and uh, it can have an effect on your relationships. Um, however, I don't, I don't like lying and I don't like, no. uh, and I have a point and the point came with him i still had him on facebook at that point in time but i was like do you know what you cunts have just fucked over my my mate barney's one of my best friends yeah no fucked i know, over yeah. my mate after promising him something and he was there for you you know yes. he was fucking there that for you, what you is know? so undervalued by people isn't it and, when someone has your back like and, oh yeah and he, barney is a is a is a good guy he's a fucking good guy He's really close friends with me. I've got a bottle of mead that I'm waiting to share with him that he bought me for my birthday the other week. That's cute. You know, he's a good lad. And, yeah. He's um, a good egg. He's, he's, he's a Barney. bloody good egg, Barney. And I know you listen to this, Barney, so I, f- I fucking love you to pieces Aww. as well, you know. Um, and it just fucked me off. And that was the point where I decided, yeah, I'm going to just start blocking these cunts on Facebook. So, um, <laughs> so The I most like, millennial there. thing you could possibly say. No, 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 say. no, no, no. The, re- the reason why, because I, I try not to burn bridges when I can. I don't, I don't believe in it. Same, and I believe in same. being forgiving of people. So again, when I say things on this podcast, when I'm pissed off, it's because I've been pushed to a certain fucking point. And then him and his dad start saying loads of shit about me, which was nice. 
And then it kept fucking appearing. People kept tagging me and shit. And I'm like, what, oh, the, wow. what the fuck is this? They so, proper went for um, the let's slate you thing. Yeah, this kind of shit. This so is I the thing. I suggested, I said to that, that theatre company, if I slated you, it would go so badly. And even just yeah. suggesting, even just me suggesting that, I never did it. I never yeah. did it. I never posted and it I, anywhere. I've, st- and I, and I've I still kept didn't. them anonymous now. But even like, suggesting, if I sat and talked shit about about your behaviour, you would look really bad. And yeah. it was, how could you even say such a thing? They fucking did it to you. Yeah. Wow. And like, the thing about this stuff is that I took the high ground and I, I didn't speak about any of this publicly until this fucking podcast, right? Ugh, and I don't even put it, it, I don't write shit, I don't write shit down on, on Facebook, all right? I just have it on here. And if people are gonna, if people are really interested in hearing the band goss, this is where I kind of distribute it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's what they get when they come and download. You know, it's some things are an opportunity in disguise. I think also in the other direction, um, if you, because I know, I know a lot of people that even if they haven't affected me personally, if you're a snake <laughs> who screws people over and behaves selfishly, you are going to run out. That will catch up with you sooner mm. or later. So, like, you can't, it's not sustainable to be that guy. There will mm. come a day when no one wants to work with you ever again yeah. and they don't care how talented and you are. And it fucking happens. Yeah. It fucking happens. Um, but, you know, I mean, the the other thing is, you know, early 20s he was at the time. Yeah, so we've all grown. People grow up. I don't want to be judged you know, on the person I was, like, no, when I was 18. I, I, I was, was a different person. I still am somewhat of an asshole, But, you know... Uh, at, at, the, at my core, I'm all right, but I've I've made bad decisions. We all I've, have, um, yeah. I've um, had situations uh, where I've not done the right thing. I'm sure I've always tried to, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if you listen to to this this podcast out of context, you think I was an arsehole, you know, mm. which you know you think I was bitter, but um, you know, when you see a whole picture of how people behave, mm. um. It's it's a whole different thing, you know. I I I remember I I used to be in a band when Nathan went to, first went to uni. I was in a cover band, and um, I was doing these covers, and I was just like, "You guys said to me that you want to do like a creative original band, but you're only doing covers. Mm. What 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 are you trying to accomplish here?" And uh, we were kids, basically. I mean, I was yeah. nineteen, but they were a bit younger than me, so you know, um, I. And I was always like a pretty good singer, you know. At that point in time, I hadn't really discovered all my kind of um, mode two head voicey type high pitch stuff, but I was mm. pretty good. Um, I was a good, I was a really good singer, but just in a certain range because I just hadn't discovered how to find the stuff above. Mm. And um, I said to these guys, you know, um, they were trying to do some Iron Maiden songs, and I was just like, man, I don't know if I can, you know, do the Trooper. You know, now Cole now can do that fine, but I didn't know what yeah. I was doing. Yeah. So, um, uh, there was one or two songs where that had happened, and uh, I was also in a situation where I was like, I feel like I'm betraying my real band, which is Hell's Gazelles, which sounds silly, but you know, there's a, there's a thing about that, and I wasn't really big fans of the social dynamic of the group. Um, sometimes people would take the p- piss in a bit of a nasty way, and also I was the only person working because they were still at school, right? So I would finish work at like six o'clock, and I just want to fucking go home, mm. um, every day. And then they do a rehearsal, and I just be like, man, come on, um, I'm not necessarily, but if you're game for it, that's great. But they had that expectation of me, so I wasn't meeting their expectations, you know, um, and then uh. We did a couple of gigs, and I said, "Okay, guys, we got this one last gig. This is going to be my last one. I don't, I don't really want to. I, I don't want to do it anymore. You know, um, it's not my cup of tea, and I don't want to fuck you guys around by make, giving you wishful thinking. You know." And uh, we did this last show at like New Year's Eve or something, and then I ran to the party at New Year's Eve and got there five minutes before the midnight, which was fun. Um, and the gig was fine. The gig was really good. We did some darkness stuff. We we did we did some some great covers. But I didn't want to be in a covers band. And then they called me up. Oh no, it wasn't that. I think there was like a, just a meeting, and they mm. said, um, "Right, we've booked two more gigs." And I was just like, "Guys, I don't." But I've told you. I've told you. I've told I, you. I'm, I'm done. They, they yeah. said to me after after the show. After the show, they said, "Cole, are you going to stick with us?" And I was just like, uh, "I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Maybe. I mean." 
you know, I don't want to. But at that point, I was so immature, you see. Yeah, so and it's hard like, saying no this to This is people. what I want it's and this really is what I don't hard. want, you know. And uh, I said no. And then they, they said some sent some nasty texts. We wanted a better singer anyway. Da, 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 da. And I was just like, yeah, all right. Okay. Fine. <laughs> That's that's. I mean, I I never said anything bad about any no, of their playing or anything like that, but just uncalled for. And then, um, I mean, the irony was that a couple of years later, I discovered my ability to do all this weird high stuff that now is kind of what I got known for after that. And um, you know, I was singing the Iron Maiden songs that I wanted to do just on my own in the shower. I didn't perform them live because I didn't want to be in a covers band. But you know, in that situation, I wasn't meeting their expectations, but they also weren't meeting yours, behaving yeah. in the right way. I think so, expectation is a great word, and that's something yeah. that needs to be so crystal clear at the start of every project. Well, okay, so we we've gotten a bit we've gotten a bit cross now. So shall I break it up oh, with some no, good I, news? I've, I feel bad. Everyone's gonna think I'm Don't an asshole. I feel bad. You're not an asshole. You're a legend. But um, I feel Cheers, like a the conversation has led to me saying what I've been wanting to say, and b yeah. it's a happy thing. So I have another producing job. Yeah! There we go. How Amber, tell us about tell us tell us what you can. About I can tell quite job. a bit now. So you know how the past oh, couple of episodes I've been like, you know, there's maybe something in the pipeline, maybe. Something it's taken care of. It's taken care of. Um, so let me tell you how I got involved. And then I want to tell about the show because I want to like support them. Um, so I saw some people post. I actually think it was in a Facebook group, funnily enough, saying um, we're, we're looking to hire a producer. So I was like, oh, hey, I can produce. It's been a while, but I can. And at first I was quite like humbly saying I was assistant producer on on this thing and then there was something I was going to be the lead producer on but then COVID um here I was just really honest one thing I haven't done is do it right from the beginning and like book the venue but they'd actually already booked the venue Mm. so then we were like let's have let's have like a a, 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 it was an interview it was but it didn't feel much like an interview um it was let's have a discussion and the discussion was about those expectations and i came ready with like a list of questions i was like right mm. how are you paying your actors like number Boom. one i was like as um, someone who's been an actor <laughs> i was like how are you handling the share of the profits because legally you can't i i've learned a lot about what you can and cannot do by for our union for all the rules that we are implementing now i was like right what's the capacity what because the producer is the business end that's basically what the producer does a stage manager is like a very practical job a stage manager looks for um props and set and design and communicates with the tech people and the director is very process driven the producer is like right but at the end of the day we all need to get paid we all need to be safe we all need to you know, all of those things, we need to be a business. And that's what the producer does. So yeah. I was there going, what's the capacity? What's the ticket amount? How many nights? What days a week? So what's the maximum income? You know, I came ready with all these questions because I wanted to know uh, what I could expect from them and what I could off- what they could expect from me. Mm. Um, and we all got on very, very well. They were two lovely people who have written this play together. And then they said we would love you to do it we're going to send you a copy of the script please take some time and decide if you want to do it because it is Mm. pay the pay isn't massive but it is paid yeah and yeah and i read the script i thought the script was very good and i said no this is really really my kind of project to get behind so that is now what i'm doing um how satisfying i know i know right and and they and i like that these actors have got someone like me making sure that they're okay who's in their corner but I mean, but to be fair, the two girls who have written it um, met at GSA, which is an acting school. They're actors yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So to be fair to them, like they're not, that it doesn't mean that they're big baddies. It just means that they, I'm a bit, um, and they've been brilliant. They have been so good. I've not really needed to whip anyone into shape, but it's just someone whose job it is to look at things from a certain perspective. And that's a good thing to have. Right. And they, we listen to each other brilliantly. So there have been points where I've gone, I feel like that's a bit too vague and I'd like to phrase it this way Mm. or like our Mm. draft. We we had all our ideas for what was going to be included in the contract. And before I, uh, and I made all these notes and we had a a zoom chat with everyone, the director, me, the writers, the actors. And I said, this is what's going to be in your contract. You're going to get, and I don't want to say too much because it is, it is people's private life, but I was like, you're going to hmm. get a minimum fee. It isn't massive, but everyone is guaranteed this much. 
We don't sell mm. a single ticket. You're getting this much money. Um, but then here are the ways we're going to try and fundraise. Here are the ways. Here's how much we could make. That's the situation. And they were mm. like, fine. Um, so, yeah, so that's what's happening. Let's talk about what the project actually is. It is a play called Four Sisters. It's going to be on in August um, at the Hope Theatre in Islington. And essentially, it's kind of an adaptation, but also kind of not. It's imagine the March sisters from Little Women um, lived today. So um, it's it's adapted based, it's inspired by Little Women. It is an, an adaptation to a certain extent, but base them in today's world, what would their attitude to relationships be? Mm. You know, so you have, um, I don't want to go into too many details because it's their project, but their, mm. their attitude to relationships, their dynamics with each other, you know, the thing that made, and I love Victorian literature, as I'm sure you know, and the thing that made Little Women so successful um, is that it was relatable. So a lot of literature in this time um, was a, was the rags to riches story, mm. was the aristocracy, you know, your Oliver Twist, your, yeah, all yeah, of yeah. that. Whereas Little Women was For domestic. Yeah. Exactly. Little Women was arguments between sisters. Uh, and then she, and you know, the famous thing about burning Joe's manuscript. When I first read that, or what I saw the film when I was a little kid, when I first saw that, I was furious for Joe. I was like, how could you do that? I'd be furious at my sister. And it's so, so, so relatable. And that is the gold dust of Little Women. It was one of the first books, I think, to be that relatable. Um, mm. And that is something that they've really cared about carrying through. Uh, anyway, I could natter on for ages, but we are on the socials. Um, there are ways that you can buy tickets. There are things if you're in a position to, to donate to the crowdfunding. Um, it's going to be on in London in August. Yeah. Boom. Say the name once again. Four Sisters, the play. Four Sisters. Check it out, folks. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, back on what you were saying about expectations. Those expectations yeah. have been so clear from the offset. What's my job in this situation? And then for the actors, what's their job yeah. in this situation? We've, what are they getting? What are they... At? Yeah. We've talked before about how the best thing about working with any group um, is when you have a role and you know what your role is. Um, and weirdly kind of filters into something that happened this weekend. So um, I had Ooh. a great weekend. I had a great weekend. Um, well, really just the conversation about roles evolving and roles changing. So um, uh, Nathan came around this weekend and Aww. we wrote some stuff. And do you know what? One of my favourite things about was that it wasn't just to work. Um, he came around Friday. We didn't do anything Friday night. We had a Chinese and we watched, I think, what did we watch? Was it Robin Hood or something? I don't know, babe. I wasn't there. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I'm asking you. Um, we watched something that we loved. <laughs> Have you got? You've got me on Instagram. Did you check check my story over the weekend? We watched uh, probably, one of yeah. Nate's favourite films, Lock, to, uh, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, because we love Guy Ritchie. Oh, Guy Ritchie's amazing. Oh, I love one that of my director. Favorite, one yeah, of, he's yeah, one of my favourite directors, he? Guy Ritchie. I love, I love a director where you're like, this is a Guy Ritchie film or this is a Tarantino film. You know, even though Tarantino's like not my favourite one of those, but Guy Ritchie's all like, oh, so Guy Ritchie, you know? Um, and uh, it's one of my, um, it's a film, it's a film that I love, you know? And yeah. uh, there's a video of me asleep. <laughs> <laughs> that went on Instagram because I was just fucking out. Yeah. Um, because you know me, it's just like, oh, it's four in the morning and I'm not tired yet. What's happened? Um, that happens to me all the time. But anyway, we spent the evening on Friday doing that. And then Saturday we worked together. And um, yeah, expectations of people. And the the odd thing about um, our relationship, mine and Nate, is that those expectations evolved over time. Because it stopped being, you're the lead singer and you just sing and write the lyrics, but I also contribute hugely to the music now, hugely, um, in a way that I didn't when we were teens. And, um, you know, now we've got an understanding on that. Partially it was because I got a bit better at guitar, and um, I'm also someone who is interested in sorting out the nuts and bolts of things. So I actually write, um, for the demos at least, I write the drum parts, and then, you know, I mean, the plan is after COVID is that we present stuff to Luke, and then Luke does something with it, which is his own, and that's his opportunity to be creative in his own right, which we, we want to do, you know, but we haven't had the chance to rehearse in, like, over a year, a year and a half or something now. So, um, you know, it's it's hard to balance that relationship mm. um, sometimes, and uh, 
you can have certain knockbacks. For instance, we worked on this amazing piece of music that I really loved that's been gradually ta- taking shape over the kind of last few times that Nace has um, been here. And one, one of my favourite things about that was actually that I plugged in a bass, he plugged in a guitar, and we just jammed for a bit, which we don't get to do ever. And that's like the bread and butter of being in a band. That's why you write music as a band rather than as a solo artist. Yeah. But afterwards, I realised, well, I've got buckets of demos on my iPad. So what I'll do... Um, when I can't sleep at four o'clock in the morning, you know, I'll muck about on my guitar and mumble a bit, sing, sing some stuff, and then um, it'll go on my phone, and then I'll never record it. So I recorded some demos, and I recorded something last night that I really, really liked, um, that uh, moved in a way I liked, um, and sent it to Nathan, who was just like, nah, it's not my cup of tea, mm. you know? And that's like, oh, for fuck's sake, you know, because you put effort into something. Mm. Um, but you have to, um, it's an example of a knockback. It's it's a type of rejection. And, um, you know, the thing is that people, some, sometimes, you, you know, you have to go, yeah, no, no, you're wrong and this is right. Um, but sometimes they'll make a point. For instance, he said, no, this this bit sounds a bit too much like this band and we're not that band, we're our band. And I was like, actually, yeah, that's yeah. that's a really good point. And that is you know, so important. <laughs> like, You know, that's that's and it's totally right. One of the weird things about recording music is that when you record things and listen back to them or listen back a day later or a week later, you're like, why did I think that was good? Yeah. You know, um, yeah, oh you know God, it's really, yeah. it's really um, easy not to be able to see the wood for the trees. But sometimes... You have to go, no, no, hang on, you're wrong, I'm right, and there's something else to be done with it, maybe, to make it to your liking, but there is something in here. And that happens a lot, actually. That yeah. happens probably more often than not. Usually, you need to make a variation of something, or you need to change a key, or you need to, um, oh, what if we did it in half time, or what if we did this and that and this rhythm, you know? Um, so, yes, rejection um, is sometimes frustrating, and a little bit, you know bruises your ego a bit but yeah. sometimes it's an opportunity to grow yeah. and it's an opportunity to um it's also an opportunity to you to find something in yourself to say no you know you're actually wrong about this you know mm. and it's important to um be able to look out and in on yourself and say well no they've got a point um and it's part of the musical experience especially working collaboratively. And we've talked about collaboration so much. I was going to say, so yeah, you're, this is basically our co- a collab episode, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, for sure. But, you know, and it's, like, it's important and to discuss that kind of thing because that happens all the time. I think also it's, just, it's important to have someone who challenges you like, yeah, in every yeah. situation, in work, in life, in play. You want someone that's going to make you a bit better. You know, like that's yeah. a good thing. Um, you do. I kind of feel the need to just also explain something because I know I said earlier... I haven't done an unpaid acting job since. And it's true, I haven't. Um, But I remember thinking to myself, I would much rather put my spare time rather than in going down to someone else's flat to rehearse a play for them that they're going to put their branding on and then forget about me six months later. All of that energy is now going into this, into making the podcast. We're not getting paid for this. We don't make money off this. It's for us. Um, But it's it's something for us that is going to be part of our lives that maybe will lead to other work or make money in the future. I don't mind, but I'd much rather my spare, Mm. quote marks, spare time and energy or my creative time and energy going into this and into paid work where I get treated like a professional. Yeah, of course. I mean, one of the wonderful things about this is that, you know, I've already put this on my CV, you know, for things, you know. Um, I applied for a job at the BBC, you know, and it's important to demonstrate that you use your time creatively and constructively, yes. even if it's not necessarily for, for dosh and, mm. and physical wonga. But, um, you know, uh, this such things are a worth worthy endeavour of, of doing just for themselves. Yeah, you know? I know we're running kind of long, but there was one more thing I wanted to talk about. Yeah, sure. So, especially because last year we did a whole episode on how good it was that I got signed by this agent. That agent has now left me. So let's talk about this. It is a massive knock and it hurts. It is such a scary type of rejection. Um, It's because I think that actors, it's so competitive and we, we get into acting so young. Do you know what I mean? You don't build your way up through it. Sometimes you get thrown in quite young. My point is there's a culture in the acting world that you need an agent to survive. And I have had agents nonstop. I had my child agent 
And then I went to uni and then I had one agent that I was with for about four or five years. And then I, I had this agent. So I've had an agent throughout my whole career. So it's been a very interesting experience. So uh, just to break it down, it's strange. So I was with the previous agent for, for, I think, too long. I think one of us, either her or me, should have made the tough decision that it wasn't working sooner. But neither of us did because I think we both thought, well something might happen and some things did but I don't think I progressed and then I joined this new agency and I mean I would think this but I feel like that decision happened too quickly um and it was based on the amount of work I got but I was auditioning and I was set getting self-tapes and even at points callbacks but she just simply said not enough it's just not good enough basically you you're you're not getting called enough for me to keep you and that hurts um, and it sucks. And we it sucks because, you know, we, we work in such an unstable job that when something gives us a sense of stability and mm. then we lose that thing, it's mm. really scary. So, like, mm. drama school can give you stability short term. It's like, oh, cool, that's yeah, my next yeah. year or two years or three years planned and I know what I'm doing and they, they'll give me showcases and, and and help me. And then when drama school ends... It's really scary because you're then you have to let mm. go of that stability. And I think that an agent is one of the other big ways that an actor feels a bit safe, feels a bit like yeah, professionally secure. That totally makes sense. So yeah. then losing it can be really, really scary. But I just want to say it is not the be all and end all of your life and career, you guys. Like, I promise you, I know, like and I was in such a slump. I didn't talk about it for ages because i needed to process it myself mm. i was crying i was asking myself why am i not good enough i felt rejected i went through the motions don't get me wrong and go through those motions but it's actually been a little bit fun i've only the contract only ended a couple of weeks ago and it's been a little bit fun seeing what i'm made of without an agent and i mm. want to talk about those fun things so one because agents work so hard and they do work hard and they're a brilliant part of our industry. Mm. They really are. Um, you have to be like available for them at all times at the drop of a hat, no matter what, because mm. if they've got you that audition and they've worked really hard to get you that audition, you have to be there. So it's quite nice not having that pressure in the past. I've had to tell an agent mm. anytime I've taken a holiday, anytime I've taken a little independent unpaid project and gone, I'm really sorry. I'm not available to help you build your business now for those dates. Mm. You know, that's another reason unpaid work is a really big thing. You're asking of an actor because you're asking them to piss off their agent, quite frankly, because their agent doesn't get to mm. use them for that time. So it's quite nice to have that freedom. I'm kind of excited about that. I have also applied for some more jobs that aren't actually actor jobs. I've applied for a, um, a like a, an ASM, an assistant stage manager job for, a, for another musical that's coming to London, which an agent wouldn't want me to do, but I don't mind because the only person that affects is me. Mm. Um, so that's fun. There's more freedom with my time, with the decisions I make, with the jobs I apply for. But also there's this thing called Spotlight and that is mm. um, the big casting website that you just have to be on to be considered yeah, yeah, a professional. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's a shame that it's monopolized, but it is very useful and it is a go-to place for castings. And when you don't have an agent, you get to do your... When, you, when you've got an agent on your spotlight, as an actor, you can't apply for things. The agent does it all for mm. you. Yeah. So you have to nudge them and, and like ask them to apply for you and, Ooh, and check this out, yeah. convince them to do it. I mean, a lot of the time they do anyway, because it's a big part of their yeah, job. Of course, yeah. But you kind of just have to trust them to do it. Mm. And trust that they'll represent you well. And it's been kind of fun representing myself on there. And I got myself two auditions in a week. One for a movie and one for a commercial. And I, it's, this is not me shitting on my agent. She was fantastic. And I truly was sad to lose her. But I get to sit and fill it in myself and go, hey, my name's Amber. I'm available for all the dates. Um, I, I Here are reasons that, here are little tidbits that make me right for the part. And Boom. here's a picture of me. And I pick which of my headshots I think is most appropriate. So one commercial, this was one I didn't get called for, but they, it was for food. So they really cared about having good teeth. So I sent the headshot that's got a big cheesy grin in it that shows exactly. all the teeth. Precisely. And I'm not saying an agent wouldn't have done that. She would have, of course, because she knows what she's doing. But it's fun doing it myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is much easier to show your personality when you're the one applying. Yeah, exactly. Than to yeah. have your agent do it for you. There are still downsides. There are, pe there are certain castings on Spotlight 
the only agents get to see. The actors don't mm. even get a look in. And that's a shame. But there are good sides to just... I'm kind of really excited about the next year. So I've got this producing job. I'm a self-representing actor. And I and because I'm self-representing, I'm applying for slightly more out-of-the-box things. And mm. I think I just want to really embrace being like a freelance creative, a, a podcaster, a, an actor, a producer, a theatre maker... And all these other things. Yeah, exactly. People at home, you can't see, but Amber's little cheesy little grin has just been lighting up. Super sweet. Super sweet. Um, no, I, I, I was, uh, I was, I was happy to hear that you were, yeah, producing again. I didn't yeah. mention this before, but um, it's a different kind of creativity, and you have a, a wide skill set, and I know you'll find it really fun to do something. I mean, you love acting, I know, but I love something performing. other than being really the actor performing. in front of the camera. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but if I but can eradicate the muggle job this year... Kill that muggle job. That would be job. amazing. Uh, I, I, will, I will just run through a couple of things. Go for it. That, you know, um, so uh, there's a very popular rock um, station. Um, I won't say who they are, but um, there was a main person who champions the unsigned bands on that station. Our publicist guy um, sent our stuff over on our last record. Didn't make it. Um... Uh, said that uh, he wasn't all that impressed, to be honest, um, after everyone else had said, you know, people had come up to him, so you should play these guys, they're fucking great. And then that's that's, that's how the rock world works, is that someone tells someone else. Oh, for that's sure. How, how that's how happens. most of the world works, um, I've realised. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, fucking, yeah, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> anyway, there's, there's a thing Frank Zappa said back in like the 60s or the 70s, when I think it was probably the 70s, um, must have been, where he said... One of the weird things about record companies and radio DJs and stuff is that they become arbiters of taste, you know, yeah. without without necessarily even being musicians. You know, he said he said back in the sixties, it used to be like you had some big guy in a suit um, with a cigar who says, "I don't know what this thing is, but uh, maybe the kids will like it. We'll put it on the radio. We'll see if it sells a million. <laughs> you know, and then and then ten years later. They hired loads of young people who were like, well, actually, a lot of the kids are listening to a new wave of um, anal bleaching. I don't know. So um, th we're only going to play those kind of records. And that thing kind of has la lasted. But, you know, I don't feel any bad will. It's just that I can, I can see why why he wouldn't want to play that record. Um, it, it probably doesn't fit his show, you know, for one thing. Mm. But um, the other thing is, I think we've grown up a bit since then. So... I look back on that record and I think, man, there's so much I would have done differently. And particularly that second record was so, part of it was so rushed. Some of the songs were great and I was really happy with. Some of the songs I was like, man, I wish I'd have like been able to come away and go back. But that wasn't how it worked. Um, we did uh, a Battle of the Bands where we came second, I believe. Um, and people have said, oh yeah, actually some of your votes didn't get counted and, da -da -da and the band was local and, da -da -da and all this stuff. Um, some someone said that that, that we, we everyone was given these counters, and someone said, "Oh yeah, your bag spilled out with all the counters. Everyone's voting by put their counters in a bag, and they yours spilled out, so you should have won." I don't think that was the case at all. I think that the other band um, did something that the people in in the in the audience liked more that night, you know. And the irony is that that was one of my favorite shows, and is still one of my favorite shows. Um, yeah. Looking back on it, um, I had this wonderful thing with the crowd, and um, you know, you've got a except sometimes maybe what you did wasn't what what people were after you yeah. can improve though take life as, as an opportunity to improve take failure as an opportunity to improve because fuck it you know you're oh, only sure. here once i mean i haven't even talked about the fact that i didn't get into drama school the first time i tried yeah. like that was rough but i i wasn't good enough and i was i wasn't mentally ready i had crippling anxiety when i was 20 and i yeah. came out of like every audition emotionally and physically exhausted i was like yeah. borderline throwing up so i look back and gone of course i couldn't have handled a whole year there like yeah. if you're not I ready mean, you're not ready i'm sure i've told you before but particularly in the early days i i used to throw up before every show oh honey every single show i don't know if i've ever told you that before um i i i have pretty bad anxiety i realized and i i, I still occasionally have a panic attack before i go on stage mm. um uh you know, when, for instance, 2019, when we did loads of shows, or like yeah. the years before 2018, 2017, when we were just doing buckets of shows, it's not a problem. I just get out and it's just there. And I have a switch and I just turn it on 
and then boom, you know. But um, I I imagine when I go back after all of this, that's going to happen again. I'm going to have one of those panic attacks, and I've got used oh, to doing honey. it. But I I you know that 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 and it's draining. It's draining. I, I, just a, a really quick side tangent that I, f- I found out about um, is that you will be able to tell about this. Actors getting the pre-show sleepies, right? Sleepies. You ever heard about that? Yeah. So it, it, it turns out it's a quite well-documented thing, but people who are going into um, intense situations where they have to perform, uh, be it athletes or whatever, um, will that day sometimes just go really tired, really tired, really tired and not feel great. And then suddenly explode when it ah. comes to the performance. Yeah. Um. I didn't. I. I. I was a little bit surprised that you hadn't said it because I. I. I'd seen someone talk about it in an interview. I think it was Stephen Fry or someone talk about it in an interview. And I was like, oh my god, because that happens to me. Yeah. Is that I go all day, and like you're a bit anxious, but like you're tired, like yeah. intensely tired, and then I go up on stage, and then it's like. Bang, Do you know note, I get that with my teaching in. job? I get it with my Do teaching you? job a lot because it it I am borderline in a panto character for all the hours I teach these kids. Yeah, of course you are. Yeah. I'm at, I'm I'm at hundred and fifty percent energy. So yeah, during the day before teaching, I'm very docile, and then mm, yeah, me too. And then find the energy when I'm teaching. Yeah, the survival mechanism, isn't it? Anyway, I think we've I think, rambled enough. Yeah, I think we've made our points pretty clear today. Yeah. To conclude, you're going to have knocks. <laughs> Fuck all you're you can gonna. do about it. Um, and you're just going to need to find ways to get through them and find... I think, oh, one thing, I, I think a nice little phrase I can end on. It's always really easy to see what you've lost. And it's absolutely mm. impossible to see what you're going to gain. Yeah. So remember that. You can see, oh, I've lost this job. I've lost this team member. I've lost this agent. But you, it's always, you're never going to be able to look in the future and see what good is going to come of it. So remember that when you can, you guys. Yeah. And, I mean, I'll try and be say something smart and pithy, but um, failure and rejection are not an inherent failing of you and your self and your personality. And, you know, like, um, when I... Uh, left that band and they said things to me and they said you weren't a great great singer then you know i wasn't as good a singer as i was two years later mm, you know yeah. i was way better two years later yeah and they had they had a point but there's there wasn't any inherent failing i was just waiting to bloom you know For sure. and i did and then loads of people loved what i was doing afterwards and i was much happier so you know take rejection as it comes bit of pinch of salt learn from it go grow yeah. you're gonna be fine um and come and listen to us again next week <laughs> exactly that the main thing is that you listen to our advice because we are exclusively and always right we are so wise so we, we're just like we're like two owls murmuring platitudes at each other yeah <laughs> Boom. 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 <laughs> you know where to find us. We're on social media. Riffs and Scripts pod. Riffs and Scripts at gmail.com. Otherwise, see you next week, guys. Thanks yeah, very see much. See you next week. TJFM. Bye bye. So, go. The one thing I haven't done is produce right from the beginning, you know? I'm so mm. sorry. I'm going to say that sentence again. I'm so sorry. I was burping as well. Really? <laughs> There we go. There was a little one snuck out then. Might be, anyway. That's good. You said his name. You said his name. Yeah, fuck him. (laughs) Um, That was fun. I like that one. Me too.